Hey, Low Code Approach listeners, this is Wendy Haddad. Before we jump into this week's episode, I wanted to let you know that we are starting to plan for the next season, and we want to make sure we hear from you on what is most important and relevant in terms of the topics that we'll be choosing. So if you could open a web browser and pop over to aka.ms slash request. that's aka.ms slash request. all one word, Fill out that brief survey on what topics and what subjects, what guests you might want to hear from. And who knows, maybe it'll make it into the next season of the podcast. Thanks so much and happy listening. Hello, everybody. And once again, I am not Sean. Sean is at Ignite right now, hopefully making us all look very good, very well. With me today, as always, is... I'm Wendy Haddad. I am a senior cloud solution architect and a former customer of Microsoft, and I always love getting on my soapbox. That she does. That she does. I am the artist formerly known as Dr. No, because I think people keep making me say yes. He's a reformed doctor. Yes, I am, I am reforming. <laughs> so my name is Ken Aguilard, and with me are two of my esteemed governance colleagues, Michael Roth. Happy birthday, sir, to you today. Thank you so much. And Chris Huntingford. What's up? And Wendy, maybe let's toss the first question over to you and just jump straight into things. I'll let you, of course, lead off, not let you, because you will just jump on your soapbox whenever you're ready. I'm always so eager. Ken is passive aggressive today, man. Well, first I'm gonna let my, Michael and, and, and Chris, I'm gonna let you introduce yourselves. And then I just wanna get your overall take on Ignite. What, what's the top thing that most excited you about Ignite and specifically around new features coming out? All right, Chris, would you like to start? Yeah. Do us the honor. Yeah, all right, man. So first of all, Ignite's been awesome. I just wanna say like this one word, I just call it, because it doesn't come to mind, co-pilot, yeah? They keep on saying that. <laughs> it's like, if, if, we had to do, if we had to do a shot of espresso every single time that they said the word co-pilot, it would be a Tasmanian devil by now. But um, I think, I think yeah, it's pretty cool. I like the fact that Fabric's GA, which, uh, which is cool. And the favorite thing of all time that has been released in this Ignite is the artist previously known as Power Virtual Agents. Copilot Studio, <laughs> right? An actual actual functionality that works really well. The way I framed it on LinkedIn, I said to somebody the other day, it's a rebrand with rocket fuel. Like often what Microsoft do is they say, hey, we're going to rebrand this thing. Like we'll call it Dataverse and not really do a whole lot behind it. Like we'll just give it a new name. They obviously do a load behind it anyway, but this is really, really cool. And I, I was starting to mess around with a bunch of functionality. I was in a customer meeting with an organization where they have a bot on their websites. We built a custom co-pilot on their data and replicated what the bot could do. And it was better than the bot, mm -hmm. right? So that is my favorite announcement. Michael, what do you think? I'm a little bit confused because I thought that you would start to introduce yourself. <laughs> You're working with a customer. I'm the guy with the <laughs> Sorry, I was getting nope. so excited. Nope. Cool. What's up? I'm Chris. I'm the low-code lead at ANS and now Director of Digital Innovation. Yeah. Really excited. <laughs> really excited about yeah, the yeah. topics. Really, really excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Hey, everyone. I'm Michael. I work at the Microsoft Partner right now, and I have the coolest job 
title and description ever because I'm a manager for experienced tech and no one really knows what that is or what that means. So I can totally make up what I do for a living and I love this. I do focus on Power Platform enablement and I try to get going with development and stuff, but it's it's too tricky for me. So I focus on the fun parts. That means governance, administration and licensing, basically. All day long for me is the just the part. best part. Yeah, the fun part. It's amazing. <laughs> there was a document years ago out in the community about, you know, how to write unmaintainable code and ensure your job for life. I feel like you were the author or the co-author. We don't talk about that here. And I, I kind of can, can go along with Chris, actually, the artist formerly known as Power Virtual Agents, now the Copilot Studio. This is pretty amazing. And I think just a couple of hours after the first keynote, I got hit up by a customer and he was like, uh, yeah, we have this worker council here in Germany and we are not allowed to use it. How to switch it off? So this was my first basically reaction that I got how to switch it off. And wow. Yeah. Can I think you did some bribes or something? Wow. Every episode you're like, co-pilot, it's, it's... co-pilot, 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 co-pilot. And I think you just got them on board to open the episode with the same thing, which just start the intro with them. Just Ken saying it on loop. Yeah, I think actually doing is there's subliminal yeah, messaging yeah, yeah, everything now. <laughs> so interestingly enough, Michael, like right as the keynote and whatnot is going on and it is announced, we really had coincidence. We also got some internal emails like, "Hold on a second, what did y'all just do?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, asking questions from customers. And Chris, the explanation that went out was very much so along the lines of what you said. It's a rebrand with Rocket Fuel. Yeah. A lot of things have been changing within the platform. I know that you two are um, some of my governance kindred spirits here, if I will. And we have um, been investing very heavily in managed environments and so on. And there is a lot of changes that have happened to managed environments, but also to the platform in general. Are there any things that you maybe have seen, or I know there's a session and some information yet to be released, but what have you seen so far or heard of, or even read, maybe even read, that gets you excited? Well, in the managed environment realm, I think the routing stuff is, is really good. The other, thing, the other thing that I'm starting to kind of talk to a lot of customers about is I feel like the, the ability to get recognition on the licenses that are used, that's super strong. But then actually the sharing limitations as well, like that's one of the one things that we really need to get a handle on. Like I'm feeling a lot of organizations struggle with implementing creativity, but not kind of not allowing people to drive that out to the rest of the organizations. Let me give you an example. Like I want to be able to build something really cool and try something out, but I also want to be able to kind of not have to share that with everyone or give everyone access, right? And I think what happens a lot of the time is people are obsessed with this share at all company thing and it happens everywhere. And if you can if you can limit that, and I did that at a partner that Michael works at now once, by the way, and they have a lot of thousands of people. So Power Apps was very popular after that. There's some pretty cool stuff that's come that that's in there. I think that is very, very, very useful. I absolutely agree with the, the routing. The environment routing is one of yeah. the core features. I love this because most of the users I know are pretty confused, especially if you have a huge organization like with 100. Today I was talking to a customer that have like 180 environments or something, no naming convention whatsoever. It's like you're lost. You open the environment picker yeah. and that's it. Nope, thanks. Close it again. So this is really, really cool things. It's funny, Michael. You mentioned the 180 environments. I had an internal call yesterday with our own internal Power Platform folks. We are about to surpass 20. 
thousand environments in my no way really <laughs> wow that'd be a good naming convention for those bad boys yeah yeah and just because you can doesn't mean you should remember <laughs> so along with that like you guys are mentioning the features and routing and whatnot but we also now have just taken the covers off for the world during a night for groups and rules so i don't know yeah, that i'm excited about i don't know if you really yes. i did not know that. i wasn't sure we could talk about that that is freaking awesome i think that finally i said it on a call a long time ago probably about a year ago i'm like if you could categorize these things it would be really good like people would kind of have a better idea of what's going on here instead of this list of things and then you're searching for hopefully you get the right one i mean i built i genuinely built my own solution that did environment routing using all sorts of wonderful things and broke some rules that were not necessarily in the spirit of the platform but now with that out the box that's amazing absolutely amazing absolutely i'm really really excited about that having groups for environments makes the life of the administrator so much easier but on the other hand i was just thinking about the last couple of weeks actually where i was doing a basic governance project uh, as a customer and i was almost done and that was a day before or after you released the latest power platform block that announced routing and everything else and i was like great this changes basically everything this changes the complete environment strategy that we had so what do you think is going to be different now that that we are introducing governance at scale features, groups and environment routing and then policies. How is this changing everything? Yeah, so we have three things in any organization that we ask them every time. I'm probably sure Michael's sick of hearing me say this. What are people making? Can you tell me what people are making? Can you tell me where people are making it? And can you tell me who is making it? Now you're probably thinking the why. I actually don't care why they're making it because that's the same as asking why is everyone making an Excel sheet? You obviously know why, it's productivity. So the whole thing is if you can tell who is making it, you can direct them to the right place. As an example, Michael is in Germany. If he builds in an environment in Germany, he is not allowed to allow that data to cross borders. It's localized. However, if he is building his solution inside an environment in the UK, that is not allowed. That's a GDPR breach. Mm -hmm. So what you will find is that if you can tell who, you can direct them to where. And what you can also do is when you know the where, you can also dictate support levels against each solution that's created. Let me give you an example. In the organizations I work with, we don't support everything that's built in default, and nor should you, because that's like supporting every Excel document in your business. You support the platform. You don't support everything that gets made. However, if you build in the right environments with the right rules, where people have been rooted to, and people are then productionizing and using those solutions, you support them in a different way. Example one is that a kudos solution. Your business and Microsoft actually have a solution that people are kudos in. But if you're, if that goes down, all that happens is that maybe Ken doesn't get a high five every day for making really awesome stuff. So he doesn't get kudos. It's not mission critical. So that can live in a specific place and specific people will use that. However, if the flow that is triggered when the door on the nuclear reactor is left a little bit open for too long, and that's not in a specific environment with the right support, people are in trouble. So the who, what, and where are really important. And that routing functionality drives that conversation and those policies and groupings drive that ability for Michael and I to manage those environments way better. Does that make sense? I hope so. Yeah, it does. And I want to clarify a little bit because I love that you're leading with who. I use the personas a lot in, in consulting across all the different products. But give us a few more examples because I think this understanding and thinking of those personas or categories, the GDPR was a great example, yep. but give me a few more because that's where I think customers get hung up a lot and they, it's yeah. the blank page, right? Where they don't know where to start. So keep going, I guess, is what I'm asking. One of the very common things that folks have been asking us lately is, oh, great, you're releasing all these new features. How do I organize and use all these things? What does my environment strategy look yeah. like now? I don't know what to do. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. And that's really important, right? So another example I'll give you real quick and then I'll pass over to Michael is, 
we have this concept of a thing called a team productivity environment. Okay, and a team productivity environment is something that does not need ALM or to be moved. So not everything needs to be productionized. And the biggest mistake we make in Power Platform is that we go, mm-hmm. my thing needs to be productionized. You don't have three folders on your desktop that have Excel documents and dev test and prod. Absolutely not. You naturally edit those Excel documents. And it's the very similar with Power Platform, right? So those flows and things that are in a team productivity labeled environments do not need to move to a production place. They're just things that people use every day. And you can use the managed environment functionality to manage those solutions. And that's really key, but also categorize those environments. If Michael's in Germany, I can route him to that environment really, really easily and say, hey, dude, go and build your stuff there. Crack on, man, but you can't share it with 5,000 people. And that's really important. So the who and the what and the where for me and the companies that I work with are the key parts and managed environments and the stuff that you are making at Microsoft makes my administration life a lot better. Sorry, I was briefly thinking about having you as an administrator and it gave me the shivers actually. But okay, (laughs) who, what and the where is a core idea basically. And I guess that many customers struggle with that and that makes it really difficult. I just had a conversation with a customer, I think a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they were a little bit reluctant and hesitated to open up too many environments. And when I asked why, because you have the capacity, so why don't you just go with it? They were like, it's easy because users don't read. Which is true. User don't read documentation, don't read tickets, they don't read buttons to click, and they don't read the environment picker either. And it's like when we have 20, 30, 40, or God forsake, 20,000 environments, users are lost. And they're like, always, always pick the wrong environment. And that's difficult for them. And it's difficult for them to, when, when they share ideas and solution and somebody's, uh, just just look at this environment over there. There's a cool app. I've, I've built it with you. I can invite you. But they are, don't realize that they're in the same business group. They are maybe different security rules. They don't even see this environment. And this this stuff is hard for users to grasp. We don't use too many environments. We keep them separated in like just a few environments. And then we had the idea with routing that really worked absolutely great, especially together with the ability to enough developer environments on behalf of users. And this is something that I really use a lot lately that people can just raise a ticket and say, I need a developer environment, please give me one. Because most of my customers switched off the ability for their users to create environments themselves, which is something I always think that is a bone I have to pick with Power Platform and with Microsoft sometimes. It feels like everything per default is wide open. And the first thing that I have to do is, okay, I need to put in those guardrails so that the IT or the administrator can be in charge again. Otherwise, we create our own little shadow IT. But that's a different story. But this, like creating developer environments on behalf of users, is actually a game changer for lots lots of my customers together with routing. So first off, Michael, I felt like when you said that last little point about the bone to pick with Microsoft, <laughs> that you were looking directly into my eyes. <laughs> he was, I felt it. So I pretty much felt it. So know that we, we're doing some things to help there and, and, and whatnot. But I'm going to touch on something that you said about the administrators and like the relationship with the users. Mm-hmm. So many organizations tend to think as IT as the enemy. Oh, like... They don't let me customize my PC. Oh, they don't let me do this. Oh, this IT guy did this thing, right? Oh, this guy, Chris, is my IT guy, and he is terrible. <laughs> You'd be a phenomenal admin, Chris. I'm definitely you know, knowing you personally. I know you would. I'll be a kick-ass admin, man. I'd like to let you guys do anything. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> here's the question or the statement, right? What I think what many folks don't realize is that admins build things to enable the business. The controls and things that they put in place or not to deter productivity, but to actually help productivity. And the messaging sometimes has to change. And so I don't think you can necessarily convey that uh, we have this great feature called the welcome 
you know, message inside of there, right? Make her welcome. It's a phenomenal resource. Everyone should be using it, quite frankly. Take advantage of it and make it visual, like Michael's saying, right? Like point folks to things, right? Um, you know, everyone remembers Clippy because Clippy was cute. So Chris has to be cute. That's what you're saying. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, you're, you're making it as if I had to do some work. Like I thought I was already there. This is not cool. With that said, <laughs> I want to ask this question. How crucial is user training and awareness programs when you're talking about compliance and security? How important is that for someone, the organization to have a well-established practice to deliver that messaging to the folks consuming their platform. I'm so torn between answering yeah, this this question and saying something else about the administrators, which I think is really, really important. Say, say the administrator thing. Yes, yes, exactly. The but, but, but then we will answer your question, promised. What we have, like the welcome message and the life of the administrators, we have technical possibilities. And uh, I think most of the problems we might have are solved in a technical way. But the problem starts at a different place and way sooner. 99% of all Power Platform administrators I've met didn't put their hand up to become Power Platform administrator. Just the one person with a little bit too much knowledge about Power Platform in the wrong meeting at the wrong time, and boom, now you're Power Platform administrator. And they're like, but I have a daily job, and Power Platform administrating is not just something that you do as a side hustle or something. And this is a problem. So most admins try to avoid work and therefore try to avoid people. And that's why the user feel like the IT is the enemy and the IT like those users doing just random stuff. And that's, that is, there's a gap between IT and business and that makes it really hard actually. But user training is really, really important <laughs> to come back to your question yeah. because that's what I had a little bit of an IT security background and the first and foremost and most important guideline are trained users, basically. You can do, on a technical level, we can do almost everything now. But the user will find a way to work around that, to just break it, to do things. And I, I love that you yeah. said so. Yeah, I mean, that's my story, right? I, I was a, a customer success <laughs> manager who knew just a little too much about Microsoft and Power Platform. And, you know, nobody was governing this. And I was the loudest voice saying, we need to govern this thing. And then yeah. become it. And I, I think that there, there's two camps, right? There's the person who knew a little too much to be dangerous. And then they, they become the admin with no <laughs> formal training. And I, I've run into that so yeah. much. Now, now I'm on the Microsoft side working with our customers. That's very common. Or the opposite is they come from a an on-prem world, right? Or a, oh. a, a kind of a legacy mindset. So I'm going to ask this question and I really am excited to ask it to you specifically. And, and then we do need to work in Ken's answer to Ken's training question too. But I want to ask it because I think that sometimes it can feel like Microsoft is coming in trying to school people or not empathizing. And you, you work with customers, you, you are customers. How how are you thinking about just the admin role now, especially with the legacy on-prem mindset to today? Or what are the kind of things that the admin role needs to be thinking of and involving and maybe in mindset? Is it the same role as it was oh. 10 years ago or 15 years ago? Absolutely not. And maybe work in a training aspect to that too. Yeah, I, I don't believe it is. I don't think the admin role is uh, is even remotely set. I, I was an IT admin. Like I sat behind a desk in a server room doing things in, in the IT world. I'll tell you what I think in Power Platform, I think something really cool has happened in the last, um, since 2015 at least. An administrator is actually more of an, advan an evangelist as well in the Power Platform world. You find that these Power Platform leads, you know, Samir did something really clever at Microsoft and he put these amazing people that make stuff and amazing admins at the forefront creating the champions program. 
because they're damn good at what they do, but also they're evangelizing to the rest of the business saying, hey, this tech is really cool. We should be using it. There was no one in the world that ran around telling everyone like they are today that Excel was cool. People just picked it up because it was a natural thing. We're moving to that. We're moving in that direction in the era of enablement right now where administrators are becoming people who are actually really, really great at spreading the word about how to take the robot out of the human and how to make your work lives easier. So from a training perspective, you're finding a lot of admins going out. And actually, I don't call it training. I call it enablement, right? Because training implies that you have to have somebody doing a thing. Enablement is like a natural thing that you come across. And I think what's happening now is that governance is best led when people don't know that there's governance. It's creating a safe space for people to build things. So that guidance piece that you put in, that informational piece, that enablement piece that you overlay from an admin perspective, it makes it so easy for people to build really cool things. So you're taking admin, evangelism and enablement and like munging them together in this like power platform admin role. That's what I'm starting to see way more of across the, the orgs I work with. I hope that made sense. That was a lot. It, it does. I was thinking about the question if the administrative role is still the same as 10, 20 years ago. And what you just said, Chris, is uh, pretty much the thing. Uh, when I think back like 10 years or something, the administrator was where those people working with tech and with yeah. machines and in the server rooms and don't see, don't meet other people. And this role has switched now. We are talking to people now. We are, we are enabling people now. And I always tell my customers, <laughs> at least the administrators, the more you enable the people, the less tickets you will have. If you want, you're quiet. If you want to be like relaxed, then educate your people. It's a win-win situation, for, uh, situation yeah. for everyone. Oh, definitely. I love the fact you mentioned something really clever there, Michael. You said, this is a qualitative metric versus a quantitative metric from an admin perspective. You said, reduce the number of tickets. So I'll tell you something Microsoft did very well, and it was very clever. They created this thing called the MVP program. And they did that because they had a bunch of nerds, yeah, <laughs> totally, a bunch of nerds running around going, oh, wow, we like to solve problems. So we went and started answering tickets and forums. And what happened? Their service desk got hit less and less and less because people like us just wanted to solve problems, right? And in any Power Platform community, you're finding like these amazing champions, i.e. Wendy, Ken, you were both these people who were going, okay, mm -hmm. we're going to do this, right? But actually what you were doing was a quantitative metric by removing time and money away from people that would have had to spend millions of hours doing things that they didn't really want to. And that's support. So if you put the right guidance out there, if you create the right communities, the guidance you put out is perpendicular to the governance. The more guidance, the less governance. It's super simple. And that's what an admin actually should be doing. So Michael, that, that thing that you put out, dude, it's way more important than anyone ever knows. Brilliantly said by both of you. Yeah. Um, the problem with that statement for me is that now they hired me and I got to go fix all yeah. these things that I was... 100%. I have an enigma for you both. I like enigmas. Bring it on. Bring me this, please. Are Power Platform admins becoming the new sort of Swiss army knives, if you will? And what I mean by that is that, Michael, going back to your point, Wendy, you lived through this. You had a little bit of knowledge and then you get thrust upon these things. As more and more functionality starts coming into the Power Platform, admin center specifically, let's talk about that just for a second. Admins are being asked to do more. Now you need to learn and understand security. Now you need to learn and understand compliance. Now you need to know network topology. Now you need to be an enterprise architect. Now you need to be this, that, and all of these things. Are those folks the new, again, the army knife, the junk drawer of, oh, hey, go give it to that person. What are your thoughts on that? You basically surface something that's a little scary, right? And the first thing is, is that the people that I talk to, customers, and I'm talking to organizations with, I mean, thousands of assets in their estate. And I mean, like, you know, circa 50,000 power apps and power automates that are kicking around, right? 
the one thing they say to me all the time and the organizations that I talk to, they say, what does a good ecosystem enablement team look like? What does it actually show me? And everyone we walk into, they say, what should we be doing? Which is crazy, right? So Ken, the point that you've made is yes, I think that these folks do absolutely get used as the Swiss army knives of the IT company. Because think about why. Power Platform crosses multiple realms. It crosses Azure. It crosses M365. It crosses governance. It crosses agile awareness. It crosses change management. It crosses everything. So what's happening is that your people process and tech skills get way, way, way better and bigger when you're in that role. You start thinking about why does change management work like this? I mean, Michael and I are techies and we're not governance people. I mean, think about that. That's bananas, right? We're talking to change management boards about why they need to put technical change requests through X process. So we have become Swiss Army Knives and therefore the people we talk to will. And ultimately, the conversations we have to have with people is that this is what a good team looks like to manage your ecosystem. You can't do everything yourself. And I'm going to jump in there yeah. and take us full circle back to the beginning of the podcast. Copilot, 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 copilot. Now we suddenly need to be AI experts. If yeah. we haven't already, we need to be privacy experts, right? Our, our world is yeah. evolving more. And the very first time before I co-hosted, I was on the podcast with talking about the role of being a service manager, not just the admin or product manager. Um, for the tool. And we need to think about the entire life cycle and ecosystem um, from beginning to yeah. end. And I think Power Platform, you said it so well, Chris, it, it sits right in the middle of, of everything. Michael, I want to just get any last thoughts or things that stood out. Um, we're going to have to land the plane here soon, unfortunately, which means we absolutely 100% need to get back on our soapboxes again and have another episode to, to double push on this. But anything else you wanted to add or last thoughts? Yes, you you were just saying um, Copilot, Copilot, Copilot. And uh, now we have to get AI experts too. And I just yesterday, uh, I'm kind of excited because I like it, but it's also absolutely overwhelming for me. And I do have to admit that I think that many people will feel the same. Last year's Ignite, I was excited about stuff and now I'm still working with that. And now we are co-pilots and now so many AIs. This is just a lot and it can be overwhelming and it sometimes can be difficult. The, the pace is so unbelievably high. I mean, the nerd in me is excited, but the admin in me is like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> the weird thing is that co-pilots help me understand co-pilots. <laughs> This is what I kind of like in this whole situation, but it can be overwhelming. And I think we are on the edge on something really exciting here. And that's why it feels a little bit, can feel intimidating, overwhelming, because it's it's big. It's something big. Chris, any closing thoughts from you? Yeah, this will be short. When you look at what Copilot's doing, with what Donner has announced, it's um, adopt, extend, and build. So those are the three areas. Congratulations, low-code people. You're now experts in building and extending Copilot because low-code is the tool you use it for. So you do that both. So yeah. That's that. One, I feel like the time has just flown by and we absolutely need another, maybe even a series of um, Michael and Chris episodes inside of here. Perhaps just letting the two of you get on your own soapbox and uh, other uh, might be better. I have already uh, logo ideas. Perfect. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> the shirt's already made, right, Mike? You've got that already sorted out. I love it. Uh, and <laughs> thank you both very much. Uh, once again, I am not Sean. With me is Wendy, who is there looking beautiful as always. And quite frankly, has her soapbox right to the yep. left of her. her. One foot up. Ready to go. And I am Ken Aguilera. Thank you very much, everyone. We are out for this episode. Thanks, folks. Thanks.